welcome to the Joan Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Vittengel. Joan is a place of truth and connection, a place to discuss mental health, trauma, struggle, and the many difficulties brought to us in life. Through my own journey, I struggled to open up with others about my difficult life experiences. But once I did, I began to see that everyone is on their own journey in one way or another. This podcast has taught me so much, but most importantly, it has taught me that vulnerable connection through storytelling is one of the most powerful ways that we heal ourselves, heal each other, and thus heal the world. I'm so honored that the guests of this show have trusted me to bring their stories to you. And so I hope you enjoy the second season of Joan. Welcome back to Joan. Today I am speaking with my friend Mariah Lyons. Um, we this episode is there's so much to it, and I absolutely love it. It was actually the first time that she and I have ever spoken. We've we've kind of have a have an Instagram relationship, but the second we got on the phone, it was just like that instant click, and we could have spoken for hours and hours and hours and hours. Actually, towards the end of the episode, it gets really good because we kind of start like riffing on Mary Magdalene and on femininity and all of this stuff. And, and it's great. Um, but Mariah really walks us through growing up with mental illness in her family, um, her own struggles with OCD, depression, insomnia, um, controlled eating, um, her journey with Hashimoto's and endometriosis, um, healing those things, healing kind of, you know, all of these imbalances um, within her body um, and diseases. And um, we really dive into like what it is to be a sensitive person uh, in the world right now. And um, yeah, I think it's a really, really beautiful episode. Mariah is such an amazing person and is so gifted. And I'm so grateful that she's, uh, she's here to share her story. So I hope you enjoy. I am here with Mariah Lyons. Hello. Who is you have you have well okay we were just laughing talking about labels but you but go ahead and throw your go ahead and throw your labels out there what do you what is it oh that you gosh. do? <laughs> I feel like my labels get really intense. Um, okay, so I am the founder of Astara. It's a grounding um, crystalline shoe footwear company. Um, I'm a Reiki master. I'm a Western herbalist. I am a meditation teacher. I <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can keep going on the labels, but we'll leave it there. Okay, great. Um, And then I guess today I kind of like to do a little overview on on what it is we're going to talk about. And I know that we previously spoke and you said that you have, that mental illness runs in your family. Is that right? Yes. It's definitely one of those things where, so growing up, I think with with mental illness in the family, um, from a very young age kind of starts, there wasn't a lot of grounding, let's say with that. Right. Mm -hmm. So we had depression in the family, we had bipolar in the family. And I think that, um, with those energies within the family structure, there were these highs and these lows. So while I'm very close with my family and I, and I would, You know, I did have a very supportive and idyllic childhood, but Mm -hmm. there also was a lot of instability in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And um, my channeling of that energy, I became a really um, competitive gymnast at a very young age and um, and then a really... um, and And then a dancer. So I went straight from, you know, at age eight... I was, we were in the gym eight hours a day. So I would go before wow. school and we would go after school. And I was really, I was really dedicated. And that was kind of my, not escape from the home, but just really that was my place to, I think, channel all that energy. And it's, you know, gymnastics is such a mental sport. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so you have to really be super focused and super present with, with that. And that was, I think, my space to really channel all of that. Um, and then in high school, I, my father got, um, leukemia actually when I was 15 and it was stage four, they were essentially 
preparing us for him to die. And um, I got really OCD. Like I started to get really OCD mm. with specific prayers that I would do every night. And I would, I would do about two hours of prayer a night. And that time it was like, I would, I would pray to different, um, I've always had a really strong connection with, um, mother Mary as well as Mary Magdalene. And, um, and I would have, I would pray to different angels and and my guides for about two hours. And if I didn't do it, I really thought that he would pass in his sleep. Mm. And that also, I think triggered at that time. I mean, I've always been very highly sensitive and highly intuitive And I think there was just so much change going on and so much emotion within my own personal life at that time that, you know, I got labeled with depression and insomnia and Mm -hmm. was at 15 placed on um, antidepressants as well Mm -hmm. as sleeping pills. Um, And that pretty much, you know, it took me, it took me years to really feel like I could rebalance my body back without medication. Do you remember feeling any shame around going on the medication? Like any stigma affected you at all? It wasn't really until later, to be honest, because I don't think I really even like talked about it. Like, I don't even know that it was really something that like I was able to truly process, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, it was just like, here's the right thing for you. Like Like, doctor telling you what to do and here's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was going through, you know, and I've always had a a difficult time sleeping ever since I was little. Like when I was five, my mom used to do these visualization meditations with me at night because I, I just like, I, I've always had a hard time sleeping and it got really exacerbated in, in high school. And so Mm. I would go like weeks without sleeping. And so it was, you know, it's, I think at that point you're, you're just so tired that I was like, and did it help? Did it (laughs) help the medication? Do you remember? It did, but what I will say, the like, when I finally got into meditation in my early 20s, like, really into meditation, that was the only thing that's ever really helped my sleep. Okay, interesting. So then, so I'm curious about, like, how you transitioned into where you're at now. So, like, where did your life take you from there? Did you go to, so did you go to college? I went, yes. So I went to um, Marymount Manhattan in New York. So I went to a small performing arts school in New York. Okay. And um, I was dating a guy who moved to London. And I went over and visited for the, him for the weekend. Things weren't going well. We had a little bit too much to drink that night. And next thing I know, I am being physically shaken awake by... What I now know is one of my guides or guardian angels, but the whole house was on fire. And whoa. the whole, yeah, yeah. turn, turn, oh story turn. God, whoa, <laughs> and, chills. Uh, Holy cow. So we were in the countryside and the whole, the whole house was on fire. So, um, the whole room was in smoke. The whole first floor was oh on fire. My so try to open the window um, he was trying to help lower me down cause we were on the second story and he broke the glass and essentially we fell and he fell on top of me. And oh I God. remember fall, I remember falling and then I remember landing. I remember falling and being like, Oh shit, this might be it. Like, okay. And then I remember landing on the ground and being like, I'm alive. I'm still alive. I'm still here. And I was on dance scholarship at the time, and unfortunately, my whole left side of my body um, was very um, severely cut up from the glass. And so I was in the hospital in London for about three weeks, and then instead of going back to New York, I flew back to Utah to rehab here, and... I just started rehabbing and, and training with my ballet teacher here. Were you devastated or, or did what, what was, what were the emotions yeah. happening? I mean, I had, I definitely had some PTSD with the fire for a good couple of years. Like I was just really, um, afraid of the element of fire. And wow. I think I also was just like in total shock for a while. And it was really interesting because I started seeing a therapist after, and it was not the right therapist for me at that time. 
but there was just like nothing really coming up. I think I was just in a little bit of shock. And my mom actually knew a, um, a Reiki master. And she was like, I don't know. One of my friends does this thing called Reiki. I don't know what it is, but I think that you might like it. And so I went and did a session with her and it was really wild. It was like all of the emotions came rushing right back up and I was able to process and I was able to heal a lot in that one session. Um, and yeah, and then it took me a while and it was like, you know, again, being a woman, my, and being a dancer, it was like, I had visual, like visible scarring my whole left side from my breast pretty much down to my knee is, was all cut up and they hadn't done the best job of stitching it up. So it was definitely quite Frankenstein-y. Um, but I knew, so once I kind of rehabbed in, um, in Utah, I knew a dance agent out in LA just from my training and, and my teachers. And I came out to LA and he was like, well, while you're out here, I'll just start sending you out on auditions. And I just started booking jobs and I just started working and then I just stayed. So wow, I stayed in. Yeah. So I just, that's kind of, I have hazardly ended up in LA and I've been there now, my gosh, 16 years, I think. Oh my um, God. 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> so I, danced professionally for seven years. So when did you, was there like a a moment when you were like, I'm not going to dance anymore and I'm going to kind of shift gears into this new profession or, um, how did your transition work and like from, from where you were to what you're doing now? So while I was still dancing, you know, I was on set all the time and I always found myself always loving the people in the wardrobe department and I've always loved fashion and I've always loved you know, the artistic, um, expression through fashion. And that's always been, a just a, a passion of mine and just something I've always really loved. And I was out one night in LA and there was this woman outside who was like the VIP director at Burberry. And she was in town from London doing all of the red carpet dressing, um, for the season. And, I don't know what it was in me, but there was part of me that was just like, just go up and ask her if she needs an intern, if she needs an assistant, whatever. And so I did. And she was like, give me, you know, great, you know, great to meet you. Give me your email. Mm -hmm. And then she emailed me the next day or she emailed me that night. And she was like, can you come tomorrow at 9 a.m.? And so I showed up at 9 a.m. the next day and I interned for Burberry then for like six months the whole award season with them. I was still dancing. I was still finishing school. And um, so then I just kind of fell into this world of um, celebrity dressing and wow. um, and luxury, you know, fashion houses. Yeah. And so then from there, then I went to Armani and I interned at Armani for a while. And then I almost worked for Armani in New York. And then I got a job at Jimmy Choo. And... I was there for almost five years, like four and a half years. It's interesting. You really have, there's so many like layers to, to your life and to, to the things that you've done because, you know, we've never actually met, which I love. (laughs) I love Instagram friends. And so my perception of you is like your beautiful shoe line, which I'm assuming was inspired by like your work through fashion and like in your, your uh, interest in design. Um, but when did you step out of the fashion scene? Like when did you, so did it go from Jimmy Choo to you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which was really scary. I, and to be honest, like I didn't, I think that, you know, the last, the last like probably year and a half, two years that I was there, I was unhappy and I was really Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what that next space was. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really scary because you have a consistent paycheck. You have a consistent thing. It's also a job that people on the outside are like, that's really cool. So, you know, like it it has these optics, right? And Mm -hmm. it was great. Like I I really did, again, like I'm so appreciative of, of that experience and that job and all the people that I met and know in that space. Like it was, it was wonderful. But it just, I knew it wasn't forever. And I didn't know what was next. I really didn't. And I remember in one meditation, I was shown 
um, I was shown shoes that would connect you to the natural frequency of the earth that would, you know, help you stay connected to the healing frequency that the earth provides, but with a shoe that you could wear in the city that you could wear while traveling. And I was shown that image while I was at Jimmy Choo and I had no idea what to do with it. I was like, great, thank you for this download, but I have no idea what to do with it. So I'm just going to like store that in a little side pocket. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so when I left, I, I actually got my nutrition, um, certification and I, you know, got another yoga certification and I was just traveling. I took about a year. I left, um, how old was I? 28, 29. Interesting. So Um, right in your Saturn return. It was right in my Saturn. Yeah. My Saturn return. I mean, we talked about it earlier, but like my Saturn return was in Scorpio and like it was, it was heavy. (laughs) Like it was, it was not an easy one. Like it was those moments where you're on the floor crying, like, you know, asking for help. And was Um, that just because, and was that due to like the transitions that were going on? And, and, and the yeah. health stuff, right? You, you said that and you were diagnosed. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Relationship stuff. I had just gotten out of like, you know, some not great relationships mm-hmm. and I was just kind of, it was just, I think everything was, you know, I was going through a huge, massive shift and, um, and, and transition. And I remember actually like the moment that I realized that I had to leave my job, this was really wild. So during my Saturn return, I was I was at that point wanting to leave LA like I was just kind of like okay I think that I've you know think that I've gotten what I needed to do here and it's time to leave and I didn't know I was like am I going to move to Costa Rica like am I moving to Peru like what am I doing Mm. I was a little so I was you know luckily my friends are amazing and I was able to stay in someone's guest house and stay you know someone's husband was shooting a show and so their house was empty and so I was able to kind of I was a little you know transient for about six months and in one of those, in one of those periods, I was driving to work in the morning and I put my, I slammed my, I put my brakes on cause it was like morning traffic and my brakes did this like weird thing where it locked and my car spun two and a half, like full circles. Whoa. And I, and, and I was like bracing for impact cause it was like, it was like eight 30 in the morning. On yeah. The 110. Yeah. I was like, okay, someone's going to hit me in like two seconds wow and so I was waiting for impact and no one hit me and I and I did two spins and the car ended up completely facing oncoming traffic oh my god (laughs) and I was and there happened to be a policeman like a police car that saw it on the other side of the freeway was right there 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 happened to be a tow truck that like was just right literally beside me that like helped bring the car over to the side. No one hit me. And I looked right above me and Hawks have always like been, um, very deep allies of mine. And I looked up right above me and there were two Hawks that were circling above my car. And the message that I got instantly was like, it's time to make a big shift. Like you need to leave your job. It's Mm -hmm. time to like, like it's time. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you'd think that I would have like left or like, put my notice in takes time it takes time yeah so um yeah but then but then once I finally did it was like I took I took my time to really figure out what I wanted to do and again for me it was so much of it was sharing what I was passionate about and, and I started teaching meditation and I started teaching yoga and teaching yoga was not my I, I love yoga but it was never my, like, I never saw myself teaching that full time. And mm-hmm. I love teaching meditation, but then it was just kind of, I just started diving more into it. So I got Reiki attuned and then I, you know, went through level one, level two, got my master and then, um, started working with, started working with individuals. Um, I, have always loved crystals from a very, very young age. Like I think growing up in Utah, we have 
so many minerals that mm-hmm. come from the land mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And we would go to like local rendezvous on the local reservations and they would have tons of healing minerals and different artifacts and things that, that we would get. And, and I never really, I never knew, like, I, I wasn't really using it for healing purposes at that point. It was just, I really, I was very drawn to them. Mm-hmm. And but then when I really studied with my meditation teacher, she worked with them a lot and it just really, it just started to unfold from there. So I started teaching meditation classes at the den in, in LA and started teaching, you know, more meditation and was just uh, diving into that space. And then when did I do my herbalism school? I did herbalism school three or four, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, that was like another layer where it was, you know, I have such a deep relationship with, with the mineral world and with the, with the frequencies and vibrations, um, within the minerals. And they really helped me to unlock so much within myself Mm. and so much of my own intuitive gifts and just remembering myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and the plants have done the same thing. The plants have been, you know, highly, highly, um, beneficial and supportive along my journey. So Mm -hmm. that was, again, like another really fun, um, as you say, label to, Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. dive into Mm -hmm. because, you know, and so much of this has always been about, you know, helping myself heal, but then also being able to help, you know, share that information with others. Like so much of what I'm talking to you about, like I've never even shared, you know, with a lot of people. And Mm. it's like, I was tuning into it this morning and I was like, you know, if my story or things I've gone through could help one, one person or, or someone else who's going through a similar thing, like that's what it's about. Right. It's so powerful. I mean, after season doing season one, especially, you know, recording this season, I haven't released anything yet, but, um, the, the story, storytelling is so powerful, which is why I'm just so interested in, in all of the little, like, all of the little nuances of, of your story and of everyone's stories, because we all ultimately are so connected. And we do live in a society that is so kind of drenched in shame and um, all these low vibrational emotions that people are trying to work their way out of, especially right now, like this year is insane, yeah. as we all know. Yeah. And, um, and to speak with people, or just just not even speak to, but just for, for people to be able to listen to someone who's done something that they're thinking about doing, or who's gotten through something that they're struggling with, or or just hearing someone else's story, I think is super impactful because it makes you realize that you're not the only human being walking the earth, which for so long, you know, we kind of are in that like egocentric state for, for so much of our Absolutely. lives. And then all of a Absolutely. sudden it's usually, it usually is like, um, trauma or, or some kind of, uh, difficult experience that makes us realize like, oh my God, there are other, there are other people here too, you know, like all of a sudden you become aware of other people and their, and their struggles because, because you feel your own. Um, so it is all, it's all so powerful. Um, and, uh, so a part of, I feel like I'm still like, I feel like there's still so many parts of your story that I like need to want to hear. Um, well, and I will say with that too, it's like, I think, you know, there's also this narrative that I held for a long time, but I think a lot of highly sensitive individuals do feel is that you, you do feel separate or you do feel alienated yeah. or you do feel different because yeah. you're also not, you know, we've, I think we've been taught this generation you know, seems to be raising children differently. But I think for so long it was like you didn't really talk about how you were feeling. And if you weren't happy, then it wasn't okay. Yeah, right? Yeah, and like, yeah. And that there was something wrong with feeling sad or there's something wrong with, you know, feeling feeling pretty much anything other than like happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And, and there's so much then shame associated with that where it's like, oh, well, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many people, I think, um, around like our age group who are these highly sensitive souls who um, have come in and who weren't raised, you know, within an environment that supported that, but who've had to kind of go through the challenges that we've gone through in order to really learn that and really learn that deep compassion to then be able to pass it on to like the next generation. Yeah. Um, 
And I know that for me, like I, I've learned, you know, now that I am a highly sensitive person who for my whole life was just trying to fit into a world that was yeah. just moving so fast. And I can actually remember, I have a very specific memory of being about 10 years old and standing in my kitchen, uh, my parents' kitchen and thinking to myself, is some, is there something wrong with me? Because I just, I remember just feeling like, I, and, it, and it just felt heavy and I was like, why don't I feel, I, I remember thinking that, that it seemed like everyone else had something right. And that, that I, that I was missing something. I was like, am I, am I missing something? And I was so young and I really carried that with me. And I think that as you pointed out, I'm glad that you did, that there are so many people who are highly sensitive, who just are trying to make it in a world that is not des- or is not, is not designed to support them. Yeah. And that's the transition I think that we're going through right now is really this Absolutely. like breakdown, <laughs> which looks so ugly at the moment. I mean, it's just, it is mayhem, yeah. but it's because it doesn't support us anymore. I mean, I don't know if it ever really did, but we just got, we, we were just getting by, you know, as yeah. humans. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we were all conditioned to think was okay and normal and, and, you know, shut down, right? Mm-hmm. Parts of these mm-hmm. aspects of ourselves because that, that, that becomes a survival mechanism then, right? I think so many highly sensitive, you know, individuals, and I really do believe as as humans, we are all highly sensitive. It's just mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. come in with that maybe a little bit more turned on or open yeah. than yeah. others. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it for me, it became, you know, it was, it was almost a survival mechanism at some point to shut that down, yeah. to shut down, yes. you know, that extreme sensitivity, like it had to be shut down to be able to maneuver in the world, mm-hmm. to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, walk about. And mm-hmm. it's funny, just like literally just even yesterday, I was, I'm, you know, staying up in, in Utah and Park City right now, and I was up in the mountains and I was going on a walk and we were, you know, I was at the very top of the mountain and you, I could just look out and it was just expanse of valleys and other mountain ranges. And I let myself like expand my energy field out as far as I could feel it. And I was really, it felt so good just to, to, to expand mm. that much. And I was really, and I was, you know, really tuning into how much we've, especially those of us who live in cities, um, you know, the survival mechanism as well becomes to tighten in and yes, to enclose yes, and to yep. bring it really tight to your body because if your energy field is so expanded, then you are feeling so much. And yep. it is, you know, it can be a lot of stimulation to the system. Yep. So it's like yep. oftentimes we're, you know, by that survival mechanism, we bring it in really close. Yep. And so it's like we've been taught for a long time just to kind of move about the world in this like little tiny container. Mm-hmm. And I think now, you know, the, it's about learning to work and live with our sensitivities in a very expanded way because they are beautiful gifts that help us navigate the world mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. being this thing that's like overwhelming or a burden. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, so many people are taught like, Oh, you're so sensitive. Oh, stop being so sensitive. You know, you're so sensitive. Oh my or, God. Like, story of my life. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, and back to the, back to what we were saying before, it's, it, it's often, I find it's conversations like this that allows people to be like, oh my God, like, oh, to, to, to take a deep breath and, and, and kind of, um, give themselves permission to be like, oh my God, that's me too. Like I'm, 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 I'm like that too. Um, yeah. and to then start exploring that. Yeah. Um, and so while we're there, I'd actually love to, cause I really don't want to miss this part. I really want to. So as we were talking about it, um, or as we were talking about doing this podcast episode, I, I of course told you that there's this, um, piece I'm bringing into season two, where we're talking about, um, you know, women in history whose voices were silenced or who challenged the status quo or who were failed by the system or whose stories have been told incorrectly. And I know that um, she's a huge guide for you. She's also a big guide for me, and that is Mary Magdalene. And she um, is someone whose story, I think, she's she's connecting. I know a lot of women right now who are really connecting to her. 
So she seems to be really present right now. And I love that because um, I was raised Catholic and, and like all I knew about Mary Magdalene was that she was a whore, like literally straight up. That's, that's, that was my, that was the story. And, um, and I've now been reading books and, and oh my God. God, like Mary Magdalene revealed by Megan Watterson just oh, completely so blew my mind. Yeah. yeah. So I would love for you, if you can, you don't have to like tell her whole story, but yeah. for you to tell me what you've learned about her and we can kind of talk about that a little bit. And and yeah. um and I guess too, it, it, the whole idea of the fact the way in which her story was suppressed and the way in which We've kind of been living it. I mean, this is a whole nother thing. I'm about to go into patriarchy and like the silencing of women. <laughs> this could be a whole nother podcast. Um, but let's just talk about her for a second. Yeah. Well, first off, Mary Magdalene Revealed is an incredible, incredible book. So if, if you, if anyone listening has not read that, it is such a great, it is so incredible. And mm-hmm. she, you know, mm-hmm. she's so. Uh, the author Megan Watterson is just in such, she's gone into such thorough research mm-hmm, with it. So mm-hmm. I will also say like that book in itself is incredible. Yeah. To yeah. Look at Everyone needs to read it. And Everyone I, needs to you know, read it. I cannot, I cannot say that I'm like a Mary Magdalene expert. Of course. Of I course. have worked with her for a very long time energetically and I have read a lot about her and I have studied a lot about her. Um, she started coming, you know, same, I was raised Catholic and that was the, you know, that was the story around her. And, and it's funny because to me, it was almost like looking back, like, and I went to Catholic school for some of my elementary and I never really resonated with that story. Like it didn't really make sense to me. Like I was, I just, there was something off about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was about five years ago, her energy came in, started coming into meditations for me. And, um, and then she came in one meditation and she told me to go to her, the caves that she spent the remaining of her life. Wow. And at that point I, I thought they were in Portugal or I had really like no idea where they were. I knew that they were in Europe and, and I, but I didn't know where they were. My husband and I were going on like a, a honeymoon, uh, like a year later from our wedding. And so we actually met in Cannes, France. And so we were going back to Cannes. We were going back to where we met and we were, um, kind of traveling around there. And when I started looking up, when I started looking into it and I started looking up, you know, different things about her and the end of her life, there was this cave in St. Balm that she has, you know, there's a chapel up there and that it was said that she spent the remaining years of her life, um, meditating in this specific cave. Mm-hmm. And it was literally, it was a half hour, it was an hour from where we were staying. And so, you know, went there, did, did a bit of a pilgrimage there. And her story has just, to me, been, it's been reignited. And when I was there in, in the cave, like she really showed me a, it was such like a sacral womb activation, mm. but B, it was, she was showing me all of the women around the world that were, um, you know, the word that's coming is initiates of hers, but really this like carrying her energy, carrying her lineage and carrying her, this, the story that she has. And she, you know, Mary Magdalene has been called like the apostle of the apostles, but she really has also been called the first apostle. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's different, there's different teachings of her and there, she has written a gospel and it was actually found in, um, in 18, I believe 1896, um, Mm -hmm. in Egypt and this German scholar found this papyrus book, like in a bazaar, and he started looking into it, and it was the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. And up until this point, you know, there had really the only stories of her within within the Bible. Um, you know, she had been painted this picture as as a prostitute, mm-hmm. and um, and so the Gospel came out and. 
there it's not very long there's pages that are missing and it had been buried it had been buried in the desert and so you know this begs the question then of why was her why was her gospel buried why were the stories buried where are the first pages of her mm-hmm. of her gospel where you know what is this what is the information that she was holding that has been hidden from mm. us and so much of her teaching is that god Jesus, that Christ consciousness, that God, that that all that is lives within us, mm. and that our we have access to that anytime we want to. That it is not outside of ourselves, and I think this is a, it is a very different um, conversation than was traditionally um, spoken about, specifically in in Christianity and in the Catholic. Um, faith in that you know we have to go through a priest to speak to god we have to go through someone else to speak to god we have to you know we don't have direct access ourselves if we go to you know reconciliation we have to say our sins to someone else and then they talk to god and then we're able to be absolved of them versus her story and her you know her teachings are all about really that connection is within and, mm-hmm. and that that's what actually Jesus was teaching mm-hmm. is that we have that, um, that access point within all of us. And that, that is really, you know, if you, if you talk about then the Christ consciousness, that is that consciousness, that unity consciousness of, of one with all that is within us mm-hmm. versus a teacher, a guru, someone that's outside of ourselves that has, you know, these special powers or these knowledge or, or, um, something that we don't have. It's her teaching is that everything is within. Yeah. Which is so beautiful. It's just so powerful. Yeah. And it's, but it's so simple at the same time, which is what I love. Like it's actually Mm -hmm. so simple, but it is this like big secret in a way that's been withheld from people in most traditional religions for ever yeah and because it's also a way of suppressing people then right if, if they don't yeah. have direct access access to their own divinity if they don't have access to their own sovereignty within then they have to go through someone there is another you know you have control over someone if they believe that their salvation lies within someone else's hands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it, it it's a it's a mechanism of control, and I think her teachings are really taking back. It gives me chills, and it's like I, really taking back that power within. And it feels like that's why her presence is being so felt this year specifically. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling and I'm seeing so many people really drawn to her and her energy and her teachings because so much of her teachings is really anchoring and embodying that sovereignty mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. and the sacred sensual feminine essence that is the creator of all and Mm -hmm. that had also been you know taken in a way of you know there there was a pope in the sixth sixth century that had essentially put her and another woman together there was like a there was a, a quote unquote woman of many sins um written in a chapter of Luke before Mary Magdalene was introduced and that woman of sin was essentially what they were, was a prostitute or was a you know mm. sex worker at that time. And that the Pope, it was Pope Gregory. He had essentially put them together. So he had made Mary Magdalene to be that unknown, unnamed woman. He kind of put it together. So that, that was really where it is thought that, that idea or that notion of her being a prostitute began in that combining of her and another woman. Interesting. Yeah. And so it was, and then, and then it just kind of took on from there. And it is thought that like the Presbyterian church didn't really take on that, but it became really heavily, you know, that was the story within specifically the Catholic faith. Um, And it was really anchored in, you know, and I think that that also, I'm going to kind of go on another little tangent, there's different different ideas that she, you know, 
was a priestess and she was a and she was a high priestess and that she was coming from these Egyptian mystery schools as well and within mm. these Egyptian mystery schools and that Jesus might have been taught in some of these Egyptian mystery and esoteric mystery schools as well mm-hmm. and within these schools they were also teaching um you know esoteric teachings of sexual alchemy and and sexual tantra and 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 really what that is of that unity of masculine feminine energy coming together Mm. um and in the more matriarchal societies of that time women and priestesses and high priestesses during different occasions of the year would take on the energy of the goddess and they would be in relation to with a man in in a sacred sexual act that would symbolize the creation of life. So it was really held in such a sacred ceremonial way then that was then construed as prostitution or Mm -hmm. as, you know, taking Mm -hmm. away that, um, the sacredness of that act and really the ownership of, of a woman's body, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. really, really shifted in that space and I think that that's also now what we are taking back and why her presence is so felt with you know if it's the me too movement or if Mm -hmm. it's you know just Mm -hmm. women really reclaiming their body as sacred and as their own yeah like her energy is so present in that in those ideals and in in that space yeah and she's one, and she's clearly one powerful woman, but one of millions of women in history who were just silenced. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think that right now, in a way, her story is mirroring so, in some ways, like our, our collective experience right now, where all of this oppression is being challenged. And while as women, we have so many more rights than women have ever had, but there's still such an imbalance and um and it's not just women it's 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 basically everyone but the white man right <laughs> so and that's what's and that power has just been um has been abused and um it feels like to me anyway that right now like that energy is fighting to to just be evened out like as simple as that for that feminine which which comes in so many forms i mean it's the earth it's it's women it, it physically is women but it but it's not i mean the, the term feminine does not necessarily just uh, point specifically to females right gender. it's it's yeah, yeah gender no. that's the word it's yeah. it's it's an energy yeah. yeah and it's that and it is that you know in different ideologies it's like it's that it's that yin right or it's that it's that softening as well, um, mm-hmm. as well as destruction. You know, the feminine energy can be very destructive as well. That feminine energy is more of a listening, mm-hmm. you know, and it mm-hmm. is, and it is definitely, it's less, it's less hustle, 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 go, 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 produce, 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 make, 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 take, mm-hmm. take, take, mm-hmm. right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's different. And I think that's also why it's coming up at this point, because we, are needing to as a collective shift more again like you said into that feminine energy the feminine energy of the earth and we're needing to listen more to the earth and we're needing to listen to what we're producing how we're producing how we're working like how we're you know what how we're actually operating in the world has been a very 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 masculine space of operating Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. and and it's needing to normalize because it because it has to. Right, right. Like, literally, it just has to. We're, we're about yeah. to... Ext- it's so funny. I was writing... I was journaling this morning, and I was like, the earth is dying. Which is... <laughs> that sounds so intense, but I mean, I mean, it's true. But at the same time, I, I actually stopped myself, and I was like, no, it's not. It will regenerate. We're killing ourselves. Absolutely. Like... That's exactly what it... Like, the earth... Like, she... She will be fine. She, she might have to go... She might have to take us all off. And she might have to go through a whole process of regeneration and like kick us all off, but she will, she will regenerate. She will, she will come back. We might not be like right, said, we right, might not right, be here. right. Like we're 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 screwing ourselves here. One thousand percent. And again, that's a very egoic space, right? So it's mm-hmm. just like me, me, me. Like mm-hmm. we're just and in that egoic space, 
it is not thinking about other not thinking about it is literally just killing yeah we will yeah potentially potentially who knows and and hopefully hopefully enough people hopefully we can wake up and turn it around and right I I do believe that there is that timeline that that happens as well you know but yeah for sure I mean we're definitely all being called to attention yeah and that's where I think this is a great spot, I think, to kind of navigate into what your practices are and what's important to you. Because, again, it's kind of like having these conversations will hopefully maybe ignite something in someone else. And, and that's really what I think we're all doing is just sort of awakening. And that happens through, again, through this, through listening to other stories and just through learning mm-hmm. through other people. And we all have, we're all on different journeys and we all have different tools and practices. But I love hearing about what um what yours are because ultimately like I feel like healing from anything is possible genuinely like diseases that they say you know or so many mental health labels they say that are permanent or like lifelong and I just genuinely believe that at some level that it it, that we're able to it takes a lot of dedication but that we can ultimately heal anything absolutely and to that like I Hashimoto's and endometriosis is both healed and gone. Yeah, there, and I there was we told, go. You know, I was told from doctors of like, you're going to have to have surgery. Here's a medication you have to get on. And I just, and there's nothing wrong with going that route any either. Right. There's nothing right. wrong with it. Right. For me, my body was, well, I was not registering with that. Like, right. That was just not something that felt right to me. Right. So I, yeah. And, and again, it feels so, it took, it took, I'm not going to lie. It took a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, that's the thing with natural healing. And that's why it's so, and that's part of this transition is like, we're so, we live in an age that we're like, we can pick up our phone and Google anything like movies are at our fingertips on Netflix. We've got microwaves, Mm -hmm. we've got um, Postmates Mm -hmm. and, and, and we can have food at our door in two seconds. Like everything is available immediately. So we've lost this ability to be patient with Mm -hmm. ourselves and with life in general and natural healing just takes time. And same with actually any of these practices. Like that's why they're called practices because people sit down to meditate and they're like, Oh, I didn't feel anything. So I'm just going to stop. And I'm like, but it's not, it's just not really how it's just, it's not how it works. And I understand why people do, you know, feel like they don't want to do it anymore, but, um, but it just takes time and it takes guidance. And, um, and so I'd love to hear like what your process has been in terms of getting you to your kind of present state of, of life. Like my daily practices or just kind of what? I mean, anything, anything that, I mean, maybe both, like what, 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 um, yeah, go, go, go both ways. Okay. So I think, you know, nature is my biggest healer Mm. first and foremost, always. And, um, and so I notice if I'm, you know, I, I need, I definitely need nature time. So especially if I'm, you know, I'm living in LA at the moment. And so if I'm, if I've, if I've been traveling or if I've been in a city for a long time and I haven't actually like fully immersed myself in nature, taking a day trip, even to the beach, to the, to the mountains, whatever it is like that to me has, has been such a savior. Um, meditation is probably my number one. And I think that has you know my practice has evolved and changed and it mm-hmm. continues to do mm-hmm. so but if it's that practice of sitting every day with myself and giving my myself that time to restore myself um daily and sometimes it's sometimes it's 10 minutes in the morning sometimes it's five minutes in the morning sometimes it's two hours if I have that luxury of that time um and but to me it's just been the dedication to self and yeah. that has been I would say the biggest because it's also then it just comes back to that love of Mm -hmm. self and taking care of the Mm -hmm. self and that Mm self-care um and some form of you know and again that's changed like I sometimes I'll bring in mantra sometimes I'll bring in breath work sometimes Mm. I'm just channeling the entire time or sometimes I'm sitting you know I was taught um like a Buddhist tantra meditation. And and I was, that was, that's my kind of fallback. That's my, like, I love to just sink into that space, but sometimes it is, there's more information that wants to come in or I'll open the Akashic records or, you know, it just, Mm. it just depends on what's kind of going on. Um, and you know, I work with, 
crystals a lot. So that has been, you know, I meditate with them a lot. I have a book coming out actually very soon. Um, Yeah. It actually comes out in October, which I'm very excited about. Oh my God. Exciting. Yeah. Crystal healing for women. And, um, yeah, working with plants, it's really the plants and the minerals that have, like, I'll sit and meditate with different plants. I'll sit and, you know, and that, to me, generally looks like making um, an herbal infusion. And I'll sit and I'll and I'll meditate with it and I'll do a little bit of a plant ceremony with it. I do still sit with different teacher plants, you know. It depends mm. on if it's, it, it might be one time a year, it might be several times a year. Um, it just kind of depends on what I'm navigating through and also what the plants are calling. Um and movement, you know, movement for me, I think also because just of being a dancer and also uh, that energy feels like it needs to channel and move somewhere. So if it's movement, if it's yoga, if it's free movement, if it's just simply dancing in my living room, if it's going for a walk outside, just that movement and moving that energy. Art, I paint a lot. I write a lot. Um, so again, to me, that's all moving energy and it's mm-hmm. all channeling. So mm-hmm. it just is, it's just is moving that energy in a different mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like everything to for you is very intuitive which I think is really important to point out because I think that so many people feel like they need to like start something and that there's supposed to be a certain amount of time that they do it and that they follow a really rigid like a really rigid kind of schedule or and they get down on themselves if they didn't do it right um or if it or if they did or if they felt like they didn't fully connect yeah. where and that works for some people but I'm similar to you where it's like some days it's shorter some days it's longer some days I feel like I really need to move some days I feel like I really need to yeah. rest yeah. um and it's just yeah. it's so important um to tune into the part of us just just listening to what it is that we need but simply just taking the time Absolutely. to actually listen is like Absolutely. the biggest the biggest thing Yes. And that changes. And that I think is like, that to me has been the biggest thing I will say also, like my own healing has been listening to what, what is needed at that time. Mm. Like listening to what my body wants to eat, listening to if I need to sleep more, listening to, you know, like really listening, um, I think has been huge in, in healing. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm so with you. I, I, you know, and there had been times where I was very dogmatic about practices and I was, you know, very strict. And again, I think that reverts back to like, I was very strict with my eating. I mean, Mm -hmm. I had, you know, Mm -hmm. I I know what it's like to be very OCD about Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And I know, and I know what that feels like for the brain to become, no, it's either this way or this way. And it doesn't feel that good to me. Like that to me is it doesn't um, it doesn't leave space for a lot. And yeah. and I agree with you. It's like and I love that I love that you're similar in that space where it's like it's some days call for different things. And I think mm-hmm. being in, being really in tune with that, you know, we are our own teacher and we are our own facilitator, and it mm-hmm. helps us to just mm-hmm. know ourselves mm-hmm. that much more. Well, and I think it's such a good practice. Like, it sounds like I personally have struggled pretty intensely with perfectionism and also OCD. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're similar. Mm-hmm. And so there is that, there is, I have times when I'm like, it needs to be perfect and it needs to be a certain way. And I've gone yeah. through, same exact thing, I've gone through those periods of times where it's like, exactly a certain amount of time again it's 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 I just try to make it as perfect as possible and then if I mess up then I just completely fall off um so I think that that's important to point out to anyone who feels like uh they they experience that and I'll also say that I feel like when I'm more fluid with it like actually that's generally where the magic comes in Mm mm-hmm you know, and some people will say the opposite. Some people will say you have to, you know, keep that practice regular and have, you know, and yes, I'm not saying don't have a regular practice, but I, but I think like when we're less in our minds about it or we're a little bit less dogmatic about it, I have found in my experience that I'd actually like there seems to be more flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it's been more of like shifting away from like, I need to do this for something versus like actually getting into the feeling of what the connection is 
and then just letting it move from there. It's like, it's like I've shifted from feeling like I have to do the practice in order to achieve something and then, and, and have moved into, um, it being just about the connection, just like, okay, am I connected and am I grounded? Um, so I think a lot of like high achieving people or like perfectionists, like it's, that is, that can be a struggle, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you said you have, so you've got your shoe line, you've got, um, a book coming yeah. out on crystals, I which is so do, exciting. Which I'm very excited about. It's the first, it's actually the first book that, which is very, I've been working with Penguin on it and it comes out October 20th and it's the first book specifically written for crystal healing for women. So I really, it was really fun to work on and I really dove into, um, you know, the different archetypal as well as biological changes that women go through in their lifetime and so there's different rituals and meditations and um and different minerals to work with to help balance um those specific transits as well amazing yeah Yeah. I was going to ask you I'm actually sitting here with um I've been kind of playing with with selenite and Herkimer diamonds which you keep mentioning and they're from where I'm from they're like that's where they where they come oh out of the earth. Oh my gosh! Yeah, really? yeah. This one was actually hand hand mined by a friend of mine. Oh my gosh! Have you ever gone to the mines up there? No, I, I haven't. So cool. I haven't, but I actually don't know anything about them other than that they're beautiful and insanely clear. And um, I would actually love for you to tell me what their properties are or what what Herkimers are amazing. Herkimers have been coming in a lot this year. I know you keep and, mentioning them. Yeah. But they, so they, again, they really do tune into, you know, and I, and I, and I keep saying this like Christ consciousness, but they really, they're a very high vibratory stone and they do connect us to, um, higher dimensional realms, but on a more grounded practical space, let's say they really do connect us to our own divinity and sovereignty within, Mm. um, they're really great stones for meditation. They're really great stones for, you know, if you do, um, any sort of, uh, remote viewing or even like, uh, read the Akashic records. Like they're really great for accessing, um, information within ourself that we might not, um, normally access. So they're really great in, in, in accessing higher information and and expanding our own conception, uh, or, you know, idea of what reality is. Um, it's a great crown chakra star. I mean, both this, like selenite and Herkimer are both crown chakra. So it's really, again, that opening up to beyond opening up to the divine, um, opening up to your highest self. Mm-hmm. Um, but really Herkimer, it's such a power. It's actually like a really powerful energy to work with in like Ruby's coming up right now as well. And it really, Ruby to me always goes back into Mary Magdalene, but like mm. Herkimer diamond, it's almost like, so Ruby almost is like the root chakra. Herkimer is like the crown. And so it's really this, how are we anchored into the earth and still maintaining yeah, our yeah. Um, access point to beyond and yeah. being able to receive these messages and then to be able to um, translate them yeah. into a more grounded, practical space on yeah. this earth plane. Well, that's something that I feel is really important to, to touch on because I struggled. I realized that... Um, a lot of my anxiety and panic came because I was really only in touch with my upper chakras and for so many years was not rooted at all. I was completely out of touch with, with my lower, with my lower three. And I mean, of the main chakras anyway. And, um, and it's been just this year that I've been really focusing on staying rooted and grounded so that I can like have this human experience while also connecting, um, higher. But I know that a lot of people, uh, struggle with that. A lot of people are really disconnected from, um, from their lower, from, from the parts of them that keep them, uh, rooted and kind of planted on this earth. There are so many people and, and this is how I felt was just like disembodied. Like I just wasn't in my body. Yep. No. And I mean, it's literally, I was, I was the same way and it's, um, it's, it's actually why I created the shoe line because Mm. 
there is a there is a grounding tab in the sole of the shoe that is programmed to resonate at 7.83 hertz, which is the same frequency of the earth. Wow. And so, so much of my work has wow. been about grounding and rooting because, again, it's so much of my practice this lifetime has been because I same way like it's very easy for me to connect to the upper three it's very easy for me to connect to the higher dimensional realms Mm -hmm. it's really like that to me is very intuitive and I had it was like being here on this plane same thing like you were saying it's like I needed to really work on grounding and so I created a grounding shoe because I was like I need this there's other people that need this and so it's really, and the idea behind it as well was like, okay, there's so many incredible women right now. We only have women's shoes, but there's so many incredible women that need to stay rooted and grounded. So they're able to do the work that they came here to do. Yeah, right. Cause yeah. if you're not in body, if you're not, if you're not in your physical form, if you're not actually rooted and anchored and grounded, you're not able to be as, as efficient as, as you might be able to be, right? Yep. You, you really can't yep. utilize, You really can't anchor in yep. the vibration and the teachings and the purpose that you came here to, to do. So it's like, yeah, so much of my work has been about and continues to be about really grounding and rooting. And this is a root chakra year. Like so many people are talking about how this year in itself is root chakra oriented. So all of the systems, all of the fears, everything that's coming up, everything that's being destruct like you know deconstructed so to speak and that is falling apart is also so we can build it up from the ground up but all of the traumas that are coming up around you know fear money safety you know health like all of these things are root chakra yeah, issues yeah and it is a very root chakra year so it's like a lot of people are having this and a lot of people are feeling so ungrounded most people are moving they're, they're, yep, you know, yep. cha- they're changing or losing jobs yep. there's so much so much ungroundedness that is happening that it's yeah. like this is that year of really tuning into our root and like we don't have the luxury anymore of like checking out yeah right and I think women specifically so many women that I know and and historically like ancestrally um there is so much trauma in the root chakra yep 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 and I feel like that was so much you know of even going through my own endometriosis with it like it was mm. like so much of healing like ancestral but also collective trauma that yeah. we've stored within our bodies that we've stored within you know literally our cellular structure of the trauma that has been to the feminine yeah um and we're healing that and, yeah. and we really are and, and and i think you know the more that we use our voices to speak about it and the more that we have conversations about it and the more that we um are really able to look at it it's you know that healing is happening well besides your shoes which I'm for sure buying um what are there do you have any specific grounding practices that you'd recommend or specific stones that that um are like simple just anyone who's listening just anything to get people grounded because I think also typically in so many spiritual practices and so many people are suddenly opening up to this kind of spiritual path. Yep, and yep. so many of the practices are about accessing the higher, you know, the higher mm-hmm. chakras. Um, yep. And so it's been so amazing because I, I have come across so many teachers this year specifically that are really about this embodiment um, and yep. this needing to, to uh, be in our bodies in order to, mm-hmm. you know, as exactly as you said, uh, fully kind of access everything and hold that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it, what, what would you recommend, um, uh, any simple practices or stones for people to, to ground in this time? Yeah. Well, a very simple, like very, very, very simple can just literally be bringing your awareness down to your feet. We have minor chakras in our feet and in, and in different traditions, you know, the feet are regarded as very holy because it is our actual place of connection to the earth Mm -hmm. on this plane so you know a very simple practice is literally just bringing your awareness down to your feet and almost like breathing into your feet so imagining that your you know your feet have these lungs on them and you're breathing into your feet um going outside taking your 
shoes off, actually standing, you know, earthing, putting your feet into the ground, mm-hmm. touching a tree. Like when I was, you know, at Jimmy Choo, I would oftentimes take a walk around the block and just literally place my hand on the trees in, in Beverly Hills. And I would just really place my hand on it. And I would just allow myself to really tune into that resonance of the earth and mm-hmm. just let my system settle into that same frequency mm-hmm. so any kind of physical connection that you can do with the earth even for a minute ideally 20 minutes but even just for a minute is great um stones that are great uh smoky quartz has been coming up a lot this year smoky quartz is a really great grounding stone it's also really great for helping to settle the body if you have anxiety Mm. um lipidolite has very high lithium content in it it's a really it's also a great stone for just calming the nervous system um black tourmaline Mm. um shungite is a really great one for grounding black onyx is a really great one for grounding ruby Mm. um jasper a lot of uh, garnet, a lot of these stones that are really, you know, again, the, on the vibratory scale, they're denser, they're slower mm-hmm. vibrations. Mm-hmm. So they help to really bring the body, uh, like anchor it in to mm-hmm. slow it down to mm-hmm. like really bring it back in. And how um, should people use the stones? Yeah. Holding them. I mean, literally putting them in your pocket, um, placing them, you know, meditating with it. Um, taking a bath with it is great because Mm. it also helps to charge the water and then your body is able to, um, really be fully bathed in in that frequency. Mm -hmm. Um, but simply carrying it in your pocket, you know, I think Mm -hmm. that's also why I wanted to put them, the stones on the shoes that we have or because, um, a, I was like having them in my bra all the time and they were dropping everywhere. So it was just, you know, that tool that you would have with you in your field all mm-hmm. the time. So it really, mm-hmm. it helps to work with your own electromagnetic field and it really helps to harmonize the, the energies in your own field. So if it's on you, if it's near you, if you're meditating with it, if you're bathing with it, um, it really helps to harmonize um, and ground the body. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, those are wonderful. So we've gone off on a little bit of a tangent, but I'm glad that we did because I think this is all really important. <laughs> um, so what are, so you've got the book, you've got the shoes, and then you offer, I saw that you have a mentoring program, right? Yes, yes. I'm just, yeah, I'm actually just launching that, which I'm really excited about. I've done that a little bit with clients, but now I'm, I'm offering like a little bit more of a more structured 10 week mentorship program. Okay. So we can find you, anyone listening can find you on Instagram at Mariah K. Lyons, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then Astara is, has its own Instagram, but what's the website for Astara? Just a star a, is a star collective. So A S T A R A collective.com. Okay, great. Um, and then is there anything else? I don't know if I'm missing anything. <laughs> All the things. Um, no, I mean, that's it right now. I'm really excited for the book coming out this fall. Um, you know, I'm really excited for that to come out, especially during this time. It just yeah. feels like, you know, my hope is that it can, offer some small support for people in in this fall and holiday season and um and that's so soon what it's so soon it's coming out so soon it's so soon I'm actually like launching pre-order like this week oh my god exciting yeah it's very exciting it's very exciting I'm really excited about it and um and yeah we have some new offerings coming up for Astara and um yeah, so there's lots of lots of new things coming up, but for right now, really, the book and my mentorship program, I do offer, I'll probably be doing another one at the beginning of the year, I do crystal healer training programs, mm. so um, I'll be, I did one in August, and we'll be doing one again at the beginning of the year, so that's really fun, just deep dive into the world of minerals, and um, yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This was... Uh, thank um, you. An amazing, amazing episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Mariah. I have linked all of her things on um, in the show notes, um, her shoe company, her book, her website if you want to work with her. 
um, her Instagram, all of that. So if you, if you want any information from the episode, it's there. And I, uh, I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you for the next episode.